0: Welcome again to RUF, guys. RUF is a, you know, we believe that uh, we live in a world created by a God of grace uh, who pursues uh, those uh, of us who are lost, which is all humans. Uh, He pursues us in love uh, to bring us back to him and to make us who we were meant to be. And uh, this, we always look to the Bible, the story of our redemption in RUF uh, to be reminded of his love and to be equipped to live. In his world. And uh, we've been going through Philippians. We're pressing through toward the end of this short letter that Paul wrote uh, from prison to this church that he had started in Greece. And uh, we're actually just going to have a couple more weeks in Philippians. And I'm kind of in the process of figuring out maybe what we'll cover in a couple of extra weeks after Philippians is done. So if you guys are like, hey, there's this topic that I would love for you to address in RUF, or there's this passage of the Bible that I would love for you to preach on. I would entertain that, just saying, so keep that in mind, uh, but uh, we're, we've been looking at this letter, and what we've, we've called it joy in a world gone flat, uh, because Paul is constantly rejoicing in spite of really hard life circumstances, and if you were around two weeks ago when we looked at the passage before this, what we saw is the amazing righteousness of Christ that, can, uh, that God provides so that... Because everything else we could put our trust in, like our resume and the things we produce, are ultimately hopeless. But thankfully, we have uh, the righteousness of Christ. And we're secure because we have Jesus standing before the Father. And it's through the power of his resurrection that we get this. And there's this new life. And uh, Paul ends that section saying that, uh, you know, he pre- he, he, he's trying to make it his own. Uh, you know, he's still. Uh, you know, he has this righteousness of Christ and he wants to attain the resurrection of the dead. And that's where he picks up here. So uh, let me read it for us and we'll spend some time in it. Uh, Remember, so he's talking about like the resurrection of the dead one day. And he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many let's pray one more time heavenly father as we now come to your word we thank you for it uh, that we can know you through it that you can give us life through it and we pray that you would be at work even now as we consider it applying it to our hearts uh, showing us more of who we are and who you are and making us different we pray in christ's name amen Mm -hmm. okay do you ever just want to quit yes yeah, <laughs> everyone does. This time, it's like the odd, best time of year to answer that question. Yeah, we always <laughs> want to quit. Um, and some, uh, some of you know that, like, in the last couple of years, I've been more and more getting into the hobby of, like, running to get exercise and to kind of clear my head. and uh, So more so than ever, I've kind of been running, going on jogs, kind of in the, like, two to four-mile range, so nothing, like, big or anything but last summer I was feeling really great like I don't jog in the summer in the winter it's too cold but like once spring hits like I started jogging so between like April and July like I was kind of really going for it and feeling like I was in shape and I'm in that like two to four mile range and so I thought to myself like I'm feeling good I'm gonna like like measure out a 5k 3.1 miles and I'm gonna time myself like, I think I can do this pretty fast. And so I, like, I'm, I'm going all out running this 5K by myself. But, you know, just like, <laughs> I'm like, I want to see what I can do. And I run it in 21.57 at a 7.05 pace. And I'm thinking, like, yo, no one can run this fast. Like, <laughs> because it was so hard. Like, I'm, in, I'm dying afterwards. And I, so I, and as I'm walking to kind of cool off, I text a friend who I know who's really into running. And I'm, just, I'm kind of like feeling pretty good about it. And I, and, and I went back yesterday and I looked at my text. And I texted him, hey, what is a good 5K time for someone around our age who is not like semi-pro? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, couch, I'm just like, yo. I'm, like, I know I'm not a pro, but like, I think I'm pretty fast. So remember, my time was 21.57. And in the text I got back, it said 18s is really good. Nice. and i was just want, i was just like crap like i wanted to quit running in that moment because i knew i would never like that's like four minutes faster than it would be impossible for me it would take so much work to get there um and following and clinging to jesus is like that kind of and i think we often want to quit because it takes endurance it's difficult it's challenging and there's always plenty left to be done uh, which is hard because we really just want to be done like i want to be i want to be able to like have a 5k time that i can just be like yeah that's it i like reached the pinnacle of running and like i'll never get there and what it looks like for us in our faith is kind of like we have we toy around with these ideas like well maybe i just had a jesus phase and i can move along for from it you know like i can just or, you know, maybe I can it's something I can come back to once my life kinda gets sorted out because I kinda wanna focus on some other things right now. Or maybe I can be a Christian without being like all about it all the time. Or, you know, isn't you know isn't where I currently am like good enough? Like why can't this be good enough? And this is written by Paul and he's endured a ton. Like he has been whipped for being a Christian and imprisoned for being a Christian. And he's still like, I'm not done, though. And and a couple times in this passage, he says, I press on uh, to make this new life my own because Christ has made me his own. And so I want us to think about that idea of, like, why do we need to press on? Uh, How can we press on? How can we have endurance to, like, live the Christian life, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? Um, no matter where we are, whether you're new to Christianity and kind of sorting things out, or if you've been a Christian for a long time, how can we endure? And to do that, to understand that, I want to look at three realities in this passage uh, that we see from Paul. He's, uh, i want to look at the reality of being a work in progress. And then I want to look at the reality of life away from Christ. And then finally, I want us to look at the reality that can propel us continually towards Christ. So first of all, the reality of the work in progress. And the big kind of idea is already and not yet in Christianity. Like, if you're going to read the Bible and understand the Bible, you need to know that we live in a time of already and not yet. Like, you know, if if you're a Christian, you have eternal life already. It starts the moment you believe, but like, the fullness of it has not yet come. Like it will come later. Uh, Jesus' kingdom is here. It's already here. But it's not yet arrived in fullness. And that's this big idea in Christianity, in, in the Bible, that we live in a time of already and not yet. Uh, I'm a Shark Tank fan. Anybody a Shark Tank fan? The reality show with uh, Mark Cuban and the investor is not. It must be like an old person show or something. I don't know. But the idea is like you pitch your business uh, before these like billionaires and they as, and you try to get them to invest in your business. And so you say like, you know, uh, I'll give you 10% of my business for like this price and you can be like, help me grow the business and stuff. And so all these people come and pitch their ideas to these sharks and some of them are really rude and tell them like their idea sucks. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I will invest. And uh, recently there was a... A couple from Newington, Connecticut on Shark Tank, and they had this invention called the Moki doorstep. It's this little thing that you uh, hook onto your car. It's like, you know, every car, like where the car door opens and closes, there's this like little metal loop, and uh, it's called a striker, and every car is required to have one. And, And this thing is just this thing you clip onto that, and it creates this step that you can like step up to to get on top of your car. Simple invention, and they're like, you know, we want. Uh, we'll give you five percent of our business, uh, or we'll give. Yeah, if you give us one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can have five percent of our business. And and the guy, the sharks are like, that's actually a really good idea. And finally, one of them, Damon John goes, I'll just give you three million dollars for the whole business. What? And they're like, immediately, they're like, yes, yes. And they shake hands with Damon John like it's done, and and Mark Cuban then goes, hey, how does it feel to be a millionaire? And the lady's like, oh no, no, right? Because it's like, is she a millionaire in that moment? Yes and no, right? Already and not yet. Like the deal is done. They've already shaken hands, but like she's not actually holding the check yet. Like the money's not in her account yet. And that's kind of the story for us. Right? We have all these blessings in Christ, truly. Like, we have them, but not in fullness. And so, it's so like, even Paul, St. Paul, has not yet arrived. And he says it in this kind of, he says mature, let those of us who are mature think this way. It's this way of saying, like, like, I haven't arrived yet. Like, the way you know you're mature is if you say, like I haven't arrived yet. Like, I, have, I have a lot of growing left to do. Like, that's a sign of maturity, and Paul says it, and so he presses on, and he uses this metaphor of a race, right? He says, forgetting what lies behind, uh, I press on, and, you know, it's in, like, we, we ought to think about that. Like, what do we need to forget about that lies behind us? For us, it could be past, like, good things, past accomplishments, times when we were faithful, Uh, times when we did feel God's presence, times uh, when we felt like we were on the right track, when we were being stretched and how to love people. Um, You know, we ought to, like, that doesn't get us anywhere today. Like, so we ought to, like, not rely on past accomplishments. But at the same time, we ought to not look back at the mistakes we've made. Like, one of the biggest hindrances in the Christian life is looking back and saying, God could never forgive that. Or looking back and saying, yeah, but I can't get over the fact that I did that. Like, how could a God love me, given that I've done that? So we need, so Paul is encouraging us to forget what lies behind and press on. It's this way of saying, like, there's no coasting in the Christian life. Even Paul, like St. Paul, who's done everything, he's not coasting. And what I want us to see is I'm not talking about earning anything from God. Like this is not about like, you know, keep going or else you won't earn whatever from God or God won't love you. I'm talking about trusting Jesus more with your life. Trusting his ways, learning to do the right thing and obey him just because it's the right thing, just because you know it's good and he's good. Uh, I'm talking about being stretched in how we love others because it was something we were made to do. Uh, But the bottom line here is that we've all got more growing to do, right? Like, we all need Jesus a lot. Whether you've been a Christian for one day or, like, a hundred years, you need Jesus a lot. If you don't think you have much growing to do, it's the sign that you're not mature. Uh, If you're like me, though, there is a great temptation to coast, right? To, like, put your feet up. And coast. that's why I want to look at the reality now of life away from Christ. We see it kind of in verses 17 through 19 here. Paul says, like, you need to keep your eyes on us, like me, and the other leaders in the church, because many are enemies of the cross. And he describes them in this really interesting way. He says, their God is their belly. I wonder what you think of when you think of that. You know, it's this way of saying, like, they're driven solely by, like, their selfish desires, like, I need this, so I'm going to get it, it's, you know, uh, sometimes I look at Spotify, like, top songs to figure out, like, what the kids are listening to, and uh, not that long ago, I looked, and Ariana Grande's song Seven Rings was on there, you guys know that one? It's to the tune of My Favorite Things, it's the song all about, like, how much money she has, and she just buys whatever she wants, and the chorus is, I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it, right? You know that song? Some of you? Like, I don't know, I don't want to judge Ariana Grande. I'm sure she has, she's great, and has, I mean, she's a super talented singer, but like, if you were to judge her on that song alone, you would have to conclude that her God is her belly. Right? I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. And think, think about the contrast that Paul is making here. He's saying either, like, either Jesus is your God and you're moving toward him or your God is your belly. You're either living for him, in other words, or you're living for you. And, and Isn't that what coasting is? Like living for me? Like how can I have the easiest life? Isn't that what I want when I'm like, tempted to coast? Uh, so, I want you to think about a race you know either like you 're in the race, moving toward the finish line or you 're not in the race at all like there 's no like i 'm kind of in this race you 're either in it or you 're not um, and the problem with that the problem with your guys' your belly is that it 's slavery. it enslaves like that living for me will enslave you. Uh, I read an article recently by a guy named Tommy Tomlinson called The Weight I Carry, amazing article, Google it, The Weight I Carry, it's about his struggle with weight loss, Uh, he weighs 460 pounds, Uh, he's a great writer, and he just writes really honestly and kind of heartbreakingly about like how hard it's been for him in his attempts to lose, and just live life, and in his attempts to lose weight, and one of the things uh, he discovered as he like researched Things like weight loss, and talk to like contestants that were on The Biggest Loser, who like lost all this weight, like 100 pounds, and then gained it right back, like a few years later. Is that our body, like our metabolism, is always trying to get us back to the heaviest we've ever been? Like, so if you could lose, like you could go on The Biggest Loser and lose like 150 pounds, but like your body will be working against you for the rest of your life to like try to get back to that point. It's so challenging. And the thing about that, like, so it never ends. Like, you can never get thin enough in this struggle. Or, you know, you can, money is like that. You can never have enough money. Sex is like that. You can never have enough. Control is like that. You can never have enough. Resume is like that. Your resume will never be enough. If you're moving away from Jesus, in other words, and towards something else, that will never be enough for you, and that will destroy you. It's the reason why, like, every... Like, how many celebrities and millionaires do you know that have gone to rehab, right? It's because it's not enough. So the the irony is, we think continuing in the race may destroy us. Like, it's too hard. It's too challenging. You know, God demands so much. I don't have what it takes But the reality is, leaving the race is what will really destroy you. Leaving the race is what will really tear you apart. And so I want us to think now about how we can be like Paul then. How can we keep moving toward Jesus? How can we work to trust him more, to be more like him, even when the temptation is like, can I just quit now? Can I go be like everyone else now? And that's where we come to the reality that propels us continually towards Christ. And what you need to see, first of all, in here, is that you'll only keep running if you have a reason to run, right? Like, the friend I texted about, like, running, like, he, run, he signs up for, like, marathons because it keeps him running. Like, it keeps him training. He has a reason to train. Uh, for him, he doesn't have a reason to train. Like, he needs a reason, um, Anything you do is like this, right? Like you need a reason to keep going. And here Paul gives us two reasons to keep running toward Jesus even when you want to quit. And the first reason is he ran toward you. Jesus ran toward you. He says it in verse 12 up there. He says, uh, I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Another way of saying that is that Jesus ran a race that was brutally hard and where it would have been very easy to quit, but he kept running so that he could have you. Uh, I want to share with you a story. Some of you have heard me share this before. Uh, It's a story about a guy uh, named James. And... uh, I'll I'll just read it for you. It's a couple pages of this really good book, Too Good to Be True. Uh, It says, Over breakfast one day, James told me that when he was two years old, he witnessed his father murdering his mother. She was beaten to death with a hammer. And little James was taken by the court and placed in eight foster homes over the next four years, where he was routinely abused, harassed, and shamed. Every night of his life, James wet the bed, and every morning he was shamed for it. One foster family threatened him, but when he couldn't stop, they escalated their harassment. They wrapped the soiled sheet around his neck and forced him to sit outside at the bus stop where his peers mocked him. One person hung a sign around his neck that declared, I wet the bed. Finally, James was placed back into institutionalized care where a psychologist pronounced that he would never be socially fit or well-adjusted. They said he would never be able to live and function in society. Years later, a couple wanted to adopt a child but were too old for a baby. Caseworkers warned them that older children waiting for adoption often develop deep emotional issues, but the couple would not be dissuaded. They were given a book with more than 500 pictures, and in it they saw a picture of James. They pointed to him and said, we want him. That first day, they took him to a Chinese restaurant. James saw everyone around him eating with sticks. Never in his life had he seen a pair of chopsticks. This was only the second time he had eaten in a restaurant. He thought to himself, I have to eat with sticks. If I don't, they're not going to want me to be their son. He grasped a chopstick in each hand and plunged the ends into the soup, splashing it all over the man who was supposed to be his new father. James thought, I'm done. They don't want me. They're going to send me back. They're going to send me back. He cried. The man, covered in soup, reached under the table where he had placed a toy boat, one he carved from balsa wood as a gift for his new boy. He handed it to James and asked, would you like to be my son? The couple took him home that night and tucked him into a bed with brand new Roy Rogers sheets. James looked at the woman who would be his mother and said, I wet the bed every night. I'm going to soil those sheets. She said, honey, if you do, we'll get up and wash them. But you're still going to be my son. He never wet the bed again. Do you see that that's the story of every Christian? Do you see that Jesus ran toward you, even though to him you're like that kid who wets the bed? who no one should want. Unless you know that you are that kid, it will be hard to keep running the race. But Jesus kept running so that he could have you. Okay, so that's one reason. We can keep running because Jesus ran to have us. But the second reason we can keep running, continuing moving toward Christ, continuing on this Challenging journey of being a Christian is that there will come a day when we will not need endurance anymore. So Paul talks about at the end of this passage. And it made me think of uh, my wife Maggie having our two kids. I don't know if any of you have been in a labor and delivery room before, but it's extremely painful to have a child. And I've been, so I've been, we've been through this twice. And one of the things that Maggie learned the first time around, like it's, pain that's worse than you've ever felt in your life, if you're a female. Thankfully, men don't have to do this. Uh, But, uh, you know, the pain is worse than you like, greater pain than you've ever felt. But, the moment you give birth to your kid, like, the pain vanishes. Like, it's so painful, and then it's gone, just like that. And, that really helped Maggie the second time we, you know, our second son, our child, our second child, Asher, our son, knowing, going into it, going through the pain, that there would be a moment, like this euphoric moment where it's just like pain, 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 pain gone, best moment of my life, right? What you need to see is that there will be a moment like that for Christians. It's called the resurrection. Uh, there will be a moment... When Christ returns, and our bodies will be renewed. Like, this isn't like float around on the clouds for eternity. This is like, Jesus is going to come live here with us on this earth, and we're going to have a body like his that doesn't decay. Bodies that don't get cancer. Uh, Sorrow and pain and suffering will be no more everything will be made right and it will happen in a moment like there will be a moment where that happens and that's really what we're running toward okay so what does that mean for us i think one of the things that jesus calls us to that we want to quit the most is people a life of community, a life of relationships, and vulnerability with people, and especially a life of, like, inviting others to come in and believe what we believe, right? And we've talked this semester some about how, like, that's hard. It's awkward. Those, that's, those things are tough to navigate, and we avoid it. And I want to just encourage us to use this uh, as a reminder to press on. Like, press on toward people that are difficult to love. Press on... Toward sharing the gospel with people who need to hear it. Uh, Press on toward vulnerability and community. Uh, Press on because he's made you his own. Like Christ has made you his own. He pursued you in love. Press on because he's making you whole again. And there will be a glorious day when we will be whole. So let me close by just praying that we would have our hope in that. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we need uh, your grace to endure. And so we pray that uh, the love of Christ would be present on our hearts and minds as we think about keeping our hope in you rather than putting our hopes elsewhere, uh, pursuing you rather than pursuing other things, uh, living for you instead of living for all the things uh, that uh, many live for. Help us to see Jesus more and more. Keep our hope uh, in the resurrection, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.